Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined once again by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory in person here in the lovely confines of Philadelphia, where we have just witnessed the second night of the Yes 50 tour. And in addition, we can talk about the experience that we had this afternoon at the Yes Fan Fan Fest. Right now, personally for me, I am really on a yes high. I thought, um, you know, everything about today sort of just continued to reinforce everything else. And, you know, I thought the way they ended that show and everyone on the stage, it was very, you know, affirming, if that's the right word. Pun not necessarily intended. Hmm. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, I, I, I just, I, I'm just kind of overtaken by everything. I, I'm so glad that I'm here. I'm glad that we got to see this together. And, you know, you kind of get the feeling, you know, again, that maybe we saw something special. And so, a uh, special shout out to a uh, friend of the Palaver, Ken Fuller who uh, commented on our Facebook page today uh, when we checked in. And so it was, it was great to be there with Ken, even though we didn't know we were there with Ken. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I guess, you know, Ken, we could encourage our, our friends to come say hello to us when, uh, when we're together in the same spot, but if Ken, they have I, any idea who we are, yeah, Ken has no idea what we look like. And, um, and only now, because we don't even we don't have any pictures really of us. Oh, there's some pictures. There are some pictures. Yeah. We got some with Merlion. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, so, so and we did we did post a picture of of Ken and John earlier today. Yeah, hard to say. And so, like we yeah. were we were also playing sort of a a Twitter cat and mouse game with the Gottlieb brothers today. Mm-hmm. Um, we kept sort of tweeting and liking each other's tweets throughout the day. So I mean, it was we were all in the same place at the same time. It just. Mm-hmm. We never made the connections. And and our friends at the Yes Music Podcast actually posted a picture from the show tonight. So, oh, did they? Yes. So they must have some inside inside work going on. Back right. channels going through. Nice. They had a, a picture of the the final bow. Oh, did they? And their uh, their their title of their picture was uh, ten, not nine voices, or not nine voices, ten voices. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that was that was that was life. Ken's joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. So, uh, counting as quickly as I could, attempting to reach nine and then exceeding it. <laughs> A lot of stuff to talk about with regards to everything, but <clears throat> it, with respect to something from the last episode that we recorded yesterday. There was a mystery that I think was solved today. That has to do with what, Paul, you had hypothesized as the Billy Sherwood effect. Right. With regards to the the attractive women at this particular concert and fan fest. And I think, based on what we saw today, I'm going to now attribute that effect to, in fact, one John Davison. Indeed. <laughs> so, so, and and I, 
you know, it was funny because we sort of had that experience fairly early on in the day. And several things happened throughout the day and, and that sort of, that seed germinated in my brain. And by the time we, were, we left the venue tonight, I have gone totally on the John Davison board bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And I am now convinced that if Yes has a future, it has got to be through John Davison. Wow. wow. Um, and I don't know if you guys want to go into all of this now or sort of pick it up at the end. But uh, I was having some some pretty radical thoughts. The um, moment that it did it for me today was when I looked over and there were like five what appeared to be very young women all gathered around John Davison and they were taking a selfie with him. And it occurred to me that there is probably only one man in that entire room that five women would want to take a selfie with. And it was him. It was him. Mm-hmm. And um, and I also, for the first time, it finally dawned on me when he was doing the Q&A, I've always thought, man, he, he just reminds me of somebody. And at first I thought it was Jesus, but then I realized it really wasn't, wasn't that. But then it hit me today when he was up on the Q&A. It's, it's um, I can't think of the actor's name, but the guy who plays Aragorn in... Um, Viggo Mortensen. Yes, his look, his look in, in Lord of the Rings. Okay, kind of got that down. See, I, I was, I, I had him pegged as a Matthew McConaughey sort of mm, hippie yeah. vibe right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, the yeah. look, He's, though. Just the look. Yeah, just, just the look. Well, he said, if he were not a musician, he would be a surfer. That's right. Yeah, it's the hippie vibe that works. Seeing, you know, like when I looked over. And Ken was talking to him. And, you know, he's... I, I don't Between that and the, the Q&A session, I, I realized that... And, and, and again, I was thinking about, you know, the, you know, what we'll call the John Davison effect. He really does seem to be kind of a, a good-looking, captivating kind of guy. Mm. Like, he's got some charisma there, obviously. And I was like, okay, wow. Well, considering the rest of the company he's with. So you know. so this got me thinking. <laughs> I'm just saying. They're, they're a little older. But, they're all grandfathers, basically. But, yeah, you know. Right. But, but what happened in 1983? Trevor Rabin joined. Mm-hmm. Trevor Rabin was a decade younger than everyone else in the band. And Trevor had that sort of rock god personality. He had the leather pants and everything else. And what happened? bunch of young younger women went crazy for Trevor Rabin at the time. Okay. So that's why I was like, he's the Trevor Rabin of today. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of one thing that kind of came out throughout the day. And then, of course, we have to have the mea culpa. Once again, I'm shooting my mouth off or I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So as we were having dinner tonight, I challenged Paul to document the role of Tony K during Roundabout. Mm-hmm. Now, and again, Paul, Ken and I were sitting separately from Paul. And I've done so, by the way. I've documented it. I, I, I know you have. So where we were sitting, I had clear lines of sight to Jeff Downs, 
And while I couldn't see Tony's hands, I could see Tony. And so I will say that during the organ solo section of Roundabout, in fact, Jeff Downs was touching nothing. And it's it's I, the one video that I got. I made sure I got both of them in the shot. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was doing my I was doing my part, and I'm like, all right, I'm I'm caught on this one. So whatever was going on, it was 100% Tony K. And so you know, I I have to bow. Tony K is a rock god, and. Deserves to be treated as I such. I think he came across a little bit more badass last night because he came out with the jacket on. So, it occurred to me, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me last night. You know, Steve Howe, you always just think of Steve Howe as being with the band forever. Yeah. And he pointed out, you know, they played Sweet Dreams again. And he points out that this was the song done before he joined the band. Oh, he was Red Meat at one point. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> And um, when Tony K comes on the stage, he's the only original member member of the band on the stage. That's him. true. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is absolutely an accurate statement. Mm-hmm. Amazeballs, right? What I thought about the mix tonight, we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the on the recording yesterday or not, but. We talked about, I think we were talking about in the car ride today, about the Steve Howe guitar tone. And I think we were listening to something off of Relayer. And you, Ken, you made the comment of, you know, the way this tone is, you know, he's playing too much or, or he's not really playing in the same vein as, as the tone. But one of the things that's, that's interesting about Steve Howe's live tone is that it's not very processed. It's not, he's not going through a massive pedal board of super processing, not a lot of effects. Um, he has the effects that he uses. He's got a wah wah, he's got the phaser and all that. But it's a very honest sound. And I think the honest sound allows for the bass to cut through a little bit better. Yeah. And it allows for the keyboards to come through. But I still found for the most of the night, Jeff Downs to be a little quiet in the mix, and um, yeah. you know, particularly in the "I Get Up, I Get Down" part of "Close to the Edge," I, I think he just oh, yeah, he yeah. doesn't pull out all the stops on the organ patch. He he, you know. yeah. What I said about Steve Howe on some of those middle era albums was that he would play and play beyond the limits of his instrument. Sometimes, like like you would feel like right. resistance in the strings and the wood. <laughs> Still be pushing for more. Yeah. So that being said, one of the things that I was thinking actively while we were watching this tonight, during the the encore section, I'm currently absolutely in love with the tone that he gets from that Gibson. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's just he's got Roy. so so. Roy Claire was was sitting a couple rows ahead of us, mm. and Tom Brislin was in the row ahead of us, a couple seats over. Indeed, he was. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, he's the man. Well, we'll get to that. And you know, we walk into the carnival today, 
And we walk up the steps, and as we were getting frisked at the door, we heard the sounds of alive hearts coming through. Yes, we did. And we caught, what, three or four songs of the Yes Tribute Band, uh, Total Mass Retain. Mm-hmm. Not Total Mass Refrain. <laughs> Retain. <laughs> Retain, as in the line from the song. All right. I will give props to Ray Cuba of WMGK. Uh, just MC. He did a great job. Yeah. 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 Um, he, he clearly brought that community vibe into it. And he, in the Q&A, he was particularly uh, diplomatic with the questions. When he enjoyed. Yeah, I thought he did that really, really well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was, you know, so obviously we arrived a little bit late to the venue. So we... What we think we have come to understand, and listeners of the Palaver, please set us straight on this, is that it seems like Total Mass Retain, their set was arranged in chronological order. Because what we heard was Hearts, The More We Live, Let Go. Or no, a Brother of Mine. Brother of Mine. Then The More We Live, Let Go. And then they did Subway Walls. So, you know... That seems to be in chronological order. We yep. do know that they played something from Relay, or we don't know what it was, and we do know that they played um, no opportunity. Right. Necessary. Necessary. So, I have seen Long Lost Brother of Mine live twice. There you go. And damn, they did an amazing job. They really. did a good job. So that was that was a, you know a fun way to sort of get into it. Yeah. Um, I, we were talking at dinner. I'm sorry. Yeah, just go ahead. one thing. Like, you know, in the highly, I don't want to say competitive, but highly musical vibe of the Southern Chester County acoustic vibe, which is like, you know, four yeah. bars. You know, anytime I'm playing and somebody that I, that I know is like a musician, walks in you know there there is a little bit of pucker factor that sure that comes in right and and guys walk in and you're like oh man now this guy is like watching me play this song i better not fuck it up and these guys are there playing in front of mm-hmm. freaking yes the members of yes like yeah. they started they played that song from um heaven um what was that last song you just said it was called it's subway walls from heaven and earth they start playing Subway walls. Just as Jeff Downs walks in the room, that's right. Yeah, and you know the drummer is you know invoking you know what Billy Sherwood has meant to him as Billy Sherwood's across across yeah. the hall. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, like imagine the pucker factor that those guys I, must have felt playing those songs. I yeah, thought they they did a good job. Oh yeah, yeah. Hats off to those guys. Joe Cast was the drummer. Uh, I forget the bass player's name off the top of my head, but uh, their backing vocals. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I was that's what I was going to say. the the sort of the the vocal interactions I I thought were really a high point of of that. Really, really enjoyed that. And Jeff seemed to really enjoy their rendition of of Subway Walls. Hmm. So, oh yeah. So that was that was sort of what it started. You know what we walked into, and then the next thing up was Tom Brislin, I suppose. Yeah. We yes. had we had the opportunity to sort of, you know, walk through the uh, through the space, and see all of the different tables. And there was you know, there was a raffle. There was the Roger Dean exhibit. 
Um, there were tables for Cruise to the Edge as well as, is it uh, Prague Stock? Prague Stock 2018. Which I had never heard of. We will, we will learn. We will learn. And then all of this, obviously, they were doing the, the switch over. And then Tom Brizzle came out and did, you know, a, a set of, as he described it, cinematic pop. That's I, right. I believe that's what he said. He described it as cinematic pop. I refer to it as progressive show tunes. One or the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, so I said this to you guys, in the current trend where you take songs from you know the entire career of a band and turn it into a musical, Bruce Springsteen just did it, Billy Joel has done it, who did it with Tommy? I think if anyone thought about taking a bunch of Yes songs and turning it into a, a musical, Tom Breslin could be the man to do it. That would be interesting. He um, now I did not see the symphonic tour where Tom played by his own and admission conducted. and conduct by his own admission he was a very animated player and obviously in the in the sort of intimate environment that we were in today there wasn't a whole lot of jumping around but he was doing virtually everything but there yeah. were there were points where he was clearly you know, channeling something, and it was it was kind of cool to see. I mean, I didn't really know anything about about Tom prior to this, other than he just come out with the the Sea Within. Sea Within is his new project, yeah. So, but I I really I kind of enjoyed what yeah, he did. I'm, he he was the last song. I mean, he was at the end, like he was giving it all. Yeah, and he you know, and it was it was powerful. Mm-hmm. So that was that was very very cool, and then another short break, and then something you wouldn't have expected. Oh, yeah. So then we had um, the 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 Q and A with Roger Dean and Roy Clare, right. which was kind of short, but it was it was kind of good at the same time. I don't know that I expected Roger Dean to tell the story about the flight. To uh, Anchorage. to well to Anchorage and then to Japan when he was, you know, apparently under the influence of a doctored cake. Yeah, someone slipped a Mickey in the cake. Mm. Somebody slipped a Mickey in and the cake. They were finding all kinds of natural shapes. Yes. in the tundra below, and somehow this led to the cover for Tales from Topographic Ocean. The constellations. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I didn't. Ex- I had never heard that story. I didn't expect that story. Um, I find Roger Dean to be one of those people where I just love to hear him speak. I don't care what he's saying. I don't care what he's talking about. There's just something about his his demeanor, his persona, his his voice that I just want to listen to him. And so that was great. I loved it. And Roy Clare, you know, it's. It's fascinating when you get, you know, someone who has had literally such an impact on the music industry as a whole from Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, Very right cool. right in our backyard, you know, and I, I certainly had no concept when I was growing up that there was something of such significance so relatively close to where we were. Yeah. I mean, it was always known that Philly had, you know, 
was important in the music scene and, and everything else, but, you know, the Clare brothers had, you know, a far-reaching impact. Yeah. I was very excited to hear that Lancaster County apparently is putting together some sort of museum based on the Clare brothers and, I guess, Clare Global. Is that their, That's their, new their, moniker, their, yeah. their current moniker? And, you know, I mean, that's... He, he had said that, you know, and, and there wasn't clear what the museum would actually be, but he did say the museum would have something from each of the bands that they had worked with, which, I mean, that could be something really kind of spectacular in Lancaster County. Hmm. Hmm. You know, certainly something that I plan on, on going to see at some point when I come back. Sounds like a special episode. Uh for the palaver. We will have to keep our eyes open for when that opens and do that. So I was aware about Claire Brothers because I know that the, I want to say the 90125 tour actually opened at Millersville University at the time Millersville State College. Oh boy. Um, and so I had known that that was my alma mater and my sister went there and she went there during that, that time. And so I always knew about Claire Brothers but what I didn't know was what Roy talked about today, was that they, one of the first acts they ever worked with was Elvis. Yeah. So they, you know, they were really, you know, in the forefront of, of music. And he talked about the, the, the working at the, the Spectrum in the 70s, because the Spectrum had a round stage. He talked about it. It was pretty fascinating. To hear that was, I loved the... The three spins clockwise, yeah. three spins counterclockwise to un- unravel all the chords. He never did answer how they managed to sort that out by the the late seventies, but you know, so that was that was you know very very interesting. And I'm sorry, I forget the uh, the DJ's name who hosted that, but you guys, oh heard, Ray, yeah, you guys already mentioned the fact that he really did sort of handle the the Q and A sessions, both this one and the one with the band. Mm-hmm. I think pretty well. So that was great. And then we moved into Patrick. Now, you know, my experience with Patrick is somewhat limited. Obviously, in the in the Yes lexicon, you know, we're talking about one album, three tracks. He, I want to say he shows up on a couple of tracks on Yes shows? Hmm. But not a huge body of work. As I've sort of developed this this vinyl obsession that I'm currently going through, I made comment that I have managed to procure four Patrick Moraz albums. Um, I've listened to two of them so far. One of them is really fascinating. The one that has little bits and pieces of Sound Chaser in it has super duper detailed notes on the inner sleeve. I mean, it's it's amazing how detailed the notes are. It's one of those things where I need to really, you know, probably spend several hours with the music and just kind of trying to sort it all out because there there clearly is a lot of information that he's trying to convey to me and it's a little overwhelming at first. Hmm. So I didn't really know a whole lot about Patrick Honestly, the the biggest impression that I have, and you know, hats off to our buddy Kevin Mulrine at the Yes Music Podcast, is the drop he has of Patrick Moraz mm. 
for the Yes Music podcast is just phenomenal. The, the, the sort of cadence in Patrick's voice is, it's engaging, if nothing else. And, you know, we had seen him last night perform with the band, but, you know, that was kind of very limited and there wasn't, you know, he was, he was sort of contained mm-hmm. within the confines of the, of the Yes sure. show. Yeah, which, after last night, I didn't have a full appreciation of what it actually takes to contain Patrick Mraz. Well, exactly. <laughs> and and so here we have Patrick sort of, you know, not contained. And wow, that guy was more than I ever knew or could have imagined. Yeah. yeah. Um, entertaining to the hilt. He had a lot to say. Yeah. He had a lot of really funny stories. Sometimes they were straight out funny. Sometimes they were just head scratchingly so. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, and even when he started to play, and the very first thing he starts to do is bang on the lid to the piano. Right. And and you know whatever I guess it wasn't up high enough, so you know, but but he. And he did so many things that I would imagine from a pian- pianist's point of view are like no-nos. So he's he's literally banging on different parts of the piano. He reached into the instrument several times, sometimes to to pluck individual strings. One time he banged a couple of hammers directly inside the instrument. Um, you know, I mean, the guy, fearless. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. he, you know, no one told him he can't do anything, and so he's going to do it all. Yeah. And I, I don't remember how much we had talked about it last night, but you know, there was, there was a, a certain amount of regret, if that's the right word, that they quote unquote only did soon with him. And wouldn't it be nicer if they had done something where he could, you know, have maybe showcased more? I don't know if we talked yeah. about that or not. This guy can flat out play. Yeah. Whatever else he's got going on, he can play. And in fact, you know, he did that one piece where he had most of Soon in there. Yeah. And it was not, I mean, so when we see Soon now, and again, Patrick is sort of corralled in this tight little space because either John Davison is singing or Steve Howe is carrying the melody on the on the steel he did it all mm-hmm. on the piano and it was gorgeous absolutely gorgeous so you know i i when when patrick came on stage tonight i wasn't left wanting more because i know what patrick is capable of now yeah that it was really it was really great to see him afforded all that time to play and really experience what what he can what his talent is and he said a couple times you know he said to everyone there thank you for letting me be your instrument you know kind of saying that there was just this vibe of the energy that the audience was giving him and he was bringing it forth the dude can play and and to your point the end of his first song he literally had his fists pounding on the keys of the Steinway Grand Piano that was on the stage, and it was really you don't you don't see that very very often for some with someone who has that level of ability, and it was 
I thought a very emotionally charged performance, and yeah, it was it was really fun to see Patrick Moraes, and he got a great reaction too. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the crowd loved him, so I thought that was uh, that was great. And part of his charm is his accent, and uh-huh. you're never quite sure if, if he really understands everything he's saying because every time he <laughs> referred to someone's birthday. Like when, when he was when he was saying like I was nine years old, he was like I was nine o'clock. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a very deliberate shtick, right? It yeah. seems like, but, that, right? Yeah. But yeah, it was you know, but it it definitely helps in some of his delivery when you know when he was talking about his his next book coming out that he was going to be calling it Yes I'm Moody like that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So yeah, I mean I. Like I said, I didn't know what to expect. I was excited to see Patrick, and he delivered, you know, way more than I, I would have necessarily anticipated. It was, uh, it, it certainly made me forget the fact that my back was killing me at that point from from standing on that concrete Which is, floor. Yeah, so Patrick Moraes, a total bonus. You know, and, you know, and, and you had mentioned it, Paul, not only was Patrick very... Um, appreciative of the audience he seemed to have a deep and genuine appreciation for the institution that is yes mm-hmm. and you know i think that came through and i liked that i thought it was you know it didn't come across as pandering and i you know i, I thought it was great it was it yeah. was interesting to hear him you know invoke John and Trevor in, you know, while right. the rest of the band was actually in the room. Um, yeah. But... And Benoit Levy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, had, he brought in Benoit. I mean, he, he did everything. Yeah, it, and it was very genuine. It felt very genuine, very spontaneous. Yeah. And while there's a lot to be said for prepared remarks, I think we noticed it in the ARW show... <laughs> and very similar tonight, you know, Steve Howe's emceeing, John Davison's comments. I mean, everything you know in these shows is scripted. There's a, there's a lot to be said for that. When you when you hear you know Patrick Mraz, he he wasn't scripted, and he was very genuine, but also at times very long winded. I think there was there was one <laughs> introduction to a song. That he went on so long that his sort of handler was kind of walking out into the audience, giving him the you know cutthroat yeah, like sign. get get to it. Yeah, and I think the song that he played was actually shorter than the the introduction to the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the yes members Q and A followed Patrick with a bit of intermission, and then they. Uh, they they had nine or ten chairs on the stage. Yeah, they they managed to get everyone up there. So they had you know the the five members plus Tony. Actually, I'm sorry, they had six because it was the five plus Jay plus Tony. Right. And right. then they had they brought Patrick back out and they found Trevor Horn somewhere, and so they put him up there as well. Everyone had relatively equal time to speak, perhaps Steve Howe more for obvious reasons. He's the MC and the leader at this point and a creative force. Um, surprising 
Alan White was um, very interested in speaking and sharing. He had he had some things to say. I thought you know, I, I thought the stories and the feelings that were communicated through that Q and A were unexpectedly good. I thought you know a lot of the questions maybe were a little obvious what's your best what's your favorite what's your you know and and i thought sure. the band did a really good job with sort of providing some insights into that one of the things that that came out of the there, there were a couple of things that that for me came out one i thought billy sherwood came off very very well in that i left that q a session on a billy high Good. I was like, you know, Billy. He earned it. He, yeah, he he gets it. He knows what he's doing, and I, I, you know, there again, I thought he came across as exceedingly genuine, and I liked it's that. A big day for you, Joe. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll even go so far as to say that, you know, the the few items that that Jay added to the conversation again, also seemingly very genuine. And so I was, yeah. I was totally on board with that. Wow, you know, it was, that's great. Uh, like I, I said, it, everything about today just sort of, you know, I, I was trying to keep in mind, it, it was obvious to me that, you know, we're celebrating something significant, 50 years of an exceptional band, you know, it, it's a shame in a lot of ways that, you know, a band like Genesis didn't get to do the same sort of a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so knowing that a, you don't get golden jubilees of, of exceptional bands all that often, although, you know, there's probably a lot right now and B, you know, those bands that last that long don't always get to celebrate this way. So I was like, yeah, let's, you know, and again, it seemed to me that everyone involved understood and appreciated what we're talking about here. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that came across with the Q, from the Q and A, and we've said it on the lessons learned. Patrick Moraz said it, where he, he mentioned that he mentioned yes, and the band yes, the the whole is uh, or the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I guess yeah, yeah, it goes. that's exactly it, and. The, what I what I took away from the Q and A was every single member, in, including Steve Howe, spoke about the fifty years and about the music and about the band as though it was bigger than themselves. Like they, it wasn't them that, right. that was a part of this. It was they were a part of this something bigger and and something more monumental. And and I think that's kind of where for me the the Billy and Jay came across so well. There, there just seemed to be a certain level of gratitude that they they felt for just being there and being a part of it. Yeah, and you know, it it was it was funny that both Billy and Trevor Horn had sort of similar stories about being a fan of the band mm. and then through various mechanisms winding up in the band. Mm. Um, you know, and. Billy's sort of cat and mouse game with Yes through the years has been amazing. Yeah. But, I mean, here's, you know, it, it was, 
just to hear him talk about bugging his mom for more money for for concert Mer- merchandise. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, haven't we all been there? You know, I I I can re- totally relate to that. And you know, I, it's a goofy story and and whatever else, but you've got to give him credit because you know. And I don't know if someone knew the story and then the question was a setup. But they asked him about his his first show, and he gives a story. He's like, "Well, I had a ticket to see the Relayer tour, but Earth, Wind, and Fire were in town that night, so I went to go see them." And and it's like, you know, the the current bass player for the band just admitted to blasphemy back in the day, right, you know, right, right. And, wow. yeah. and exactly. But that's that's exactly it, and and it's just like, you know, there's. I just I respected that. I thought yeah. that was that was really really cool. And you know, I, again, I thought um, you know Trevor Horn provided some interesting insights. You, you skipped the moral of the story. He made the wrong choice. His brother said yes. Well, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> and and then he you know he repented, and right. ever since then, yeah. you know he was he was on. So you know, I don't know. Seeing yes as your and I was like, imagine seeing yes on going for the one tour as your first experience. Yeah, really, that would be kind of cool. So, um, so, so Trevor Horn had some interesting insights. Um, You know, sort of the you always feel sort of bad for Trevor Horn in his experience in the band around drama and everything else and you know he he made some statements that sort of got my brain going around you know the the role of Eddie Offord in respect to the integration of Jeff and Trevor into the band and you know something I'd never heard of I don't know but it was it was it was interesting yeah you know Trevor's another one of those guys where he he seems to have a whole lot of interesting stories that you just want to hear But the highlight for me has to be, and um, Twitter uh, user TrudyAnn11 happened to post this, and she she tagged it uh, as yes fifty. And I just I don't normally search for hashtags on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of myopic when it comes to Twitter. Sure. But for some reason today I did, and I came across this literally as we were walking to dinner. And so she had quoted Steve Howe. I'm going to guess that she was there. So someone else we were in close proximity to um, that we didn't know about. But, you know, at very near the end of the whole Q&A, Steve uttered the sentence, yes is about learning, that's why it's got a future. And, you know, again, when when you're celebrating 50 years and you've got sort of this influx of new blood with Billy and, and John and and you're always you know is there going to be another album this that and the other thing that was that was a very affirming sort of thing and to hear Steve Howe was very enthusiastic when he said it yeah and I thought that was just that was very cool let's just say that you know the show wasn't completely male it had great representation not just from females but all age brackets and some folks brought their kids and it just had a very good vibe. It was very, very universal. Vibe. It was it was strange, honestly, to like see you know, a father walking around with his 
two, you know, relatively young kids, I'm going to say like 10, 12 years old, decked out in Yes shirts. Mm -hmm. I'm like, mm -hmm. maybe I should start bringing Ellis to these things. I don't know. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't know what to expect from this fan fest today. I, I really didn't. And I was pleasantly surprised by what I got. And, you know, as we mentioned previously, I had some sort of, you know, attitude changing experiences, yeah. which were, and I think ultimately it helped increase my enjoyment of the show tonight as well. Perfect. Yes. You know, and, and sort of to going hand in hand with that, and we were kind of joking about it at, you know, on the, on the ride back from the venue, but at the end of the show, when they had all 10 people on the stage, did, did Patrick and Tom Brislin need to be on that stage throughout the last song? No, they probably didn't need to be there, but it was, you know, it was very, very cool that they were there and sort of having all 10 of them up there, you know, for the final bow, it, it again, it, it reiterated, reemphasized what we're celebrating here. Mm. And that's, that's why I was, I was totally on board with, with everything about it. Mm. Nice. Mm. Um, maybe this is a good time to just tip our hats to ARW and acknowledge that they also have a 50th anniversary tour. They do. They have a 50th anniversary tour that is exceedingly difficult for me to get to, which Sad. kind of annoys me. Did we determine if the set list is any different than what they were doing last year? I haven't looked, honestly. Ah. I need to do that. Oh, no spoilers. I mean, well, no. Reiterating I, that you went to no, the Yes 50 without yes. knowing what they were going to play. Very, very honorable. Very honorable. Very enjoyable. Um, you know, and we could talk about that. I don't, I don't know that this is the set list I would have put together for the Golden Jubilee of Yes, mm. but, you know, it's all cool. Uh, someone needs to do Leave It, and this would have been perfect because you had Trevor Horn there. The, the, well, I mean, wow. Maybe it's more wow. of a Trevor song, but 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 I I I would love to hear a Trevor Horn interpretation. Maybe that would be something. And 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 the vocal talent on the stage, just incredible. Between uh, uh, maybe Tom Brislin wasn't available for rehearsals. It seems like you know these guys were out at the last minute. But you need extra vocal. Goddamn, Tom can. Yeah, no kidding. Something there, so right. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, I think I think there were you know depending on how you wanted to utilize people, there were certainly other options on the table that may have been you know quite. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here, Paul? Provocative. Mm. So, in terms of this show, I thought. Um, I thought certainly out of the gate, close to the edge, maybe was, it's certainly from John Davison's point of view, a lot stronger tonight. He seemed sort of on his game from the get-go. I know we had talked maybe about some other things that 
weren't quite on there. But, you know, opening with Close to the Edge from the lead vocalist perspective, there's all this music going on. And, and the first time you pop through the mic is on that break in the instrumental section and going, ah. Yep. I mean, that is not an easy introduction to any evening of singing. No. And um, he, 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 I thought he did a good job. I agree with you. I, I think he was kind of right on from the get-go tonight. And Yeah. I mean, that's that, that, that requires an amazing sense of pitch, which he has. And then it's it's reinforced falsetto. I mean, it's probably it's probably harder for Billy to find his note. I mean... Yeah, he... You know, I, I still feel like as the night went on, he gets better and better. Mm. Kind of really finds himself in some of those... I think some of those later songs... Um, you know, particularly the roundabout and Starship Trooper and um, Yours is No Disgrace, they just seem to be in a sweet spot, um, you know, for him. You know, but boy, he he was. I thought he was really on tonight and better better than Friday night. I thought. And last night we loved the middle section, and tonight it was just stellar as well. I love I love it when Steve Howe yeah, Steve Steve Howe's vocals in in that song are great. Yeah. Yeah. So and I mean this this the set was virtually the same except for the the acoustic part, right, which was vastly different. Um to the delight of many. To the delight of many. Oh, I said Oh my goodness, he has a steel string. Last night, right, yes. Yeah. Strictly nylon string. So you knew he was going in a different direction, and he had already previewed that in the, uh, in the Q&A. Yeah. He did that, and then they did, uh, he and John did Madrigal. Which was just Fantastic. terrific. Yeah. You know, and again, totally unexpected. And it, it's great when you have those sort of little surprises in life. And then from the acoustic section, they bring out Trevor Horn for the glory that is Fly From Here. Because mm-hmm. you can't, uh, you know. I'm almost getting to know the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot of parts. It's like you don't just pick that one up from the local jukebox. Kind of more, you know, specialized yeah. taste there. Well, but keep in mind, you know, what they play is about six minutes long, and the entire suite on the album is 20 odd minutes. Right. So, and then um, "Sweet Dreams," "Heart of the Sunrise," "Intermission." "Sweet Dreams," just oh man, the bass tone and everything. Oh. Yeah, great. That to me, that that's kind of where you know, there's something sp- special that happens. Well, well, so there's there's something about the first few songs, even close to the edge, as well as it's done. We kind of talked about it last night. As well as it's done, there, there is something that changes as the show continues on and the energy level just spikes and it just feels feels better. And, you know, for me, I think in both, both times, it was right around this, you know, Trevor Horn coming out and singing and then going into Sweet Dreams just seems to really get moving and, and John Davison is just hitting a stratospheric note at the end of Sweet Dreams. Oh yeah, that's crazy. That's so tremendous. And um 
you know, I, I noticed, I, I felt the same tonight that Fly From Here just sort of launched. For me, Madrigal, though, Madrigal was just a really special moment. And again, John Davison did a great job. Billy came out and did harmonies. And then they, I, I think that was very appreciated by the crowd. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then from there, just things really took off. Well, I think Fly From Here is, you know, it, it's... As a, as a track, it's... Yeah, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's... Catchy isn't really the word. It's, it's engaging. It's, it's up-tempo. It, it is a little bit aggressive. You know, there, there's a lot to sort of sink your teeth into. Um, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of, of quick vocal lines. You've got Steve kind of being, you know, rock God-ish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, it, it, it has a lot of energy to it sort of just naturally. Yeah. And honestly, as much as I love the full 20 minute suite, you know, the, the second or third part of that. Is, which was my favorite part is actually very slow mm-hmm. and in a live setting would probably dissipate some of that energy right so you know the way that they do it it's just non-stop and so it, it does sort of you know bring everybody up yeah wonderful and and sweet dreams you know that and we kind of talked about this the fact that those first two albums, and and again, I I will never ever finish regretting not covering those. But I had the same, you know, I I had the, I had the blinders on, and it's so easy to overlook those first two albums. Yeah. And I believe it was again with the whole vinyl thing. I had popped in. I had bought yesterday's was one of the things I had mm-hmm. I had purchased, and I I you know dropped on that vinyl, and it's like America and you know basically tracks from yeah from the first two records and i was like this stuff is awesome mm-hmm. and and i mean you had tried in in our first yes episode to sort of you know address that and address you know tony k being a badass and everything else but i mean those songs are just they're good mm. no yeah. doubt about it yeah and and i think you know the fact that sweet dreams plays so well you know, here, 50 years later, or almost 50 years later, I think speaks to that. It's it's amazing. And Sweet Dreams is vindication for me, and probably yours is no disgrace as well. But, you know, what is the band Yes, and what is rock and roll, or classic rock, or prog rock? And a huge emphasis for me is right at that sweet spot when we had those groovy rhythms of sweet dreams mm. and, and, and just the, the slamming pseudo funk of yours is no disgrace. It's like, well, this is, this is pretty deep into the core of where this music went and to where it is. And there's a lot of that in Termato, love it or hate it. And I just, I just, I just love how that, that old, vibe plays the 60 vibe still plays out in the, in the venue as it is yeah. Yeah. now does that fit in at all with the 
with the interesting discussion we were having before the show with uh, our new friend Sam with regards to what is Prague. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Sam, Sam needs to go back and check out the 60s and the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Learn some, learn, learn some more dynamics and whatnot. But, but it's just fantastic when we, when we see uh, kids learning acoustic drums. That, that's always a good sign. That's what we like. Yeah. We haven't gotten too lost into our our Wii machines and our rock band and our, <laughs> our <laughs> the hell that is constant gaming and yeah, surfing. I, I would say for the first set outside of of you know the the change that we talked about with Magical, I, I found it to be very very similar to. To the first night, like yeah. I thought technically it was really sound. Thought they did a really nice job overall. And um, is uh, the only the only song of the whole night that just seemed a little off to me tonight was does it does it really happen? Well, that's in the second. set. That's in the second set, so right? We haven't so, gotten there yet. So um, you know, the first set was you know performance wise, I felt I felt found it to be very similar to to the night before. Oh, I gushed over Heart of the Sunrise again. Uh, the glissando picking and the triplets that, that, that Billy does in his solo in um, Heart of the Sunrise. Mm. Can't get enough of that. Yeah, I mean, that is just, that's such a, a I hate to use the phrase, but such a classic song. Mm. I mean, it's just, if someone wants to ask me what is Prague, that's a good place to point, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah. yeah. Heart of the Sunrise really does have whatever all those elements are, it's got them all. You know, it mm. was it was funny when <laughs> taking a step back to Tom Brislin when he was introducing one of his songs and he was talking about you know he asked the audience if they like prog rock and everyone cheers and he's like, well then you should love my um, what's the word again? Cinematic pop. Cinematic pop. And then he was introducing a song. He's like, and you know, this song's in a seven, eight time signature, so that should check a few boxes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I thought, I thought that was very well played on his part. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. So, um, so then we have our intermission, and we come back with perpetual change. Uh, does it really happen? Mm-hmm. And then it moves into soon when we bring out Patrick Moraz. And again, I had I had a much different appreciation and experience with Soon tonight after seeing Patrick perform today than I did last night. I was I was able to enjoy it much more and sort of you know just I don't know if revel in it is the right word, but I was I, I wasn't feeling like I was missing something. So that was great. Yeah. Oh, and did we just gloss over it can happen? Does it really happen? Well, we kind of did. Well, okay. Um, Paul, just yeah. Lay, 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 you know, we're musicians. Lay it out there. You know, what maybe was the uh, inhibiting factor? In, in... I just didn't, I, of all things, I, I didn't think it was as tight as it was the night before. It seemed a little loosey-goosey at some parts. Some of the, you know, in the rhythm section, that's all. It still had that magic. I mean, once you hear that bass line and yeah. everything, it still had, it still had the magic. It yeah, it, it, it didn't feel as tight to me and just kind of was like, oh, okay. You know? Okay, okay. It's rough. So soon, one of the things 
you know, I, 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 for me personally, this is one of the areas where John Davison, I think really is just spectacular. I, I really, really do enjoy his performance of this. Yeah. And as I mentioned last, you know, last episode as well, Steve Howe on, on, you know, the lap steel, you can't go wrong. I just, I, I'm fascinated by Steve. We had had the conversation, you know, of, you know, when I buy yes tickets, depending on where I've seen them before, I will look for tickets in specific spots. And so it wasn't an accident, as I mentioned to you, Ken, going in, that we were sitting in front of Steve Howe tonight. Because I knew that we were going to see, you know, I I, I purposely bought different sides of the stage because I wanted to see both nice. both both sides of it. And, you know, so there are times when I just, I want to see Steve Howe and just watching Steve throughout the night is a show unto itself. Mm-hmm. That but, man plays a lot of... Of course, he's a walking Mel Bay book. Yeah. He's like really. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, like his voicings are very deliberate and very quality, and he's always sending a little bit of melody underneath the melody, and he's just brilliant at what he does. The, the, walking triads all over the place. The the problem with doing that and sitting on Steve's side and paying attention to Steve, at least for me, is it it can come at the cost of seeing everything else that's going on. True. I, yeah. I, I literally developed this sort of locked-in tunnel vision at times, and I have to sort of shake myself out of it and say, wait, there's other stuff going on. It, it's not enough just to turn to Steve during... The solo, because you know he's doing some oh, yeah. killer riff underneath it. And then you see his prep for the solo. And you're like you get totally into his head if you yeah, if you watch him for too long. Well and and so that that leads us perfectly actually into Awaken because Paul, in the last episode you were talking about the joy of having Steve play all of those parts that mm-hmm. are in the original recording with Fidelity. Yeah. And I I find, you know, watching Steve play all those parts mm-hmm. throughout Awaken to just be phenomenal. Mm. And so that Awaken is one of those places. Like last night when we were on the other side, you know, I'm I'm looking at Billy, I'm looking at John, you know, I'm looking at Jeff, whatever the case may be. Because, you know, John, as we mentioned, does a lot of stuff during Awaken. He's 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 got his, his little stick, he's got his you know, string of, of whatever. And he's, you know, he's got his guitar. He's, he's all over the place. Um, but I, I forgot to look at anything, but, but Steve out tonight with one exception. And there was one thing last night that I couldn't, I didn't see, and I didn't know how they did it. And I was fascinated. And, And that was in the harp section which then, you know, I have to be Captain Obvious. I just, I love the sort of harp organ question answer part. I just, mm-hmm. love that. But when the harp section comes on, you have those little chimey symbols on top of it. Yeah. And I had no idea who was doing that. And where we were sitting tonight, I could see Alan very clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Me too. I was yeah. like, okay, good. Now that I know. Because yeah. where we were last night, I couldn't see Alan hitting those. Right. He was kind of, you know, they were off to the side and I guess behind 
you know, the toms and symbols and everything else. Yeah, so, which has got to be, you know, quite tedious. Yeah, to be hitting those chimes for as long as as long as he did in time and and in the right in the right melody. Yeah, it was nice. So that was that was you know that was just kind of a, a little thing I was very happy with. Oh, that's my magic three. The the, the uh, I, I, I love twelve eight three four any kind of groups of three close to the edge has magical threes all over it. But awaken is the slow three. Where <laughs> meditatively, um, ba, ba, wa, ba, ba. and then all the little parts crafting around that. Uh, I found I found that visually satisfying and you know the audio is very satisfying just watching the uh, mechanics of Alan White and Jay Shellen kind of back and forth and you remarked how um, Davison is just you know doing the heart part on the keyboard uh, you throw in Billy up front and they just have this magic to it yeah and, and, and that magic is is churning and rotating and pushing, and then you know Jeff comes in. Gorgeous, gorgeous it cascades and oh. Well, and and you know we were talking about you know Jeff and, and the way he plays maybe some of the middle part of Close to the Edge. I think in this section of Awaken, he's spot on, mm-hmm. and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like you said, when when that. Because you get the build up with the with the chimes and the the harp and everything else, and then when that organ kind of comes in, oh yeah, 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 totally agree on that. I mean, you're like, who's this guy? And Steve Howe walks in and takes a solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but doesn't he do the solo on his telly? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah which off, yeah, you know, oh, you know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've become such a little telly whore. It's funny. <laughs> so worth it. And um, yeah, so that's you know that's the end of of the the set, so to speak. And and you know I. So we had talked in the last episode about the comparison songs, "Awaken" and "Perpetual Change." I'm fairly certain that we have recordings of both of those from ARW from back in the fall. Nice. So I made a point to to record those two tracks tonight. And and and, the, and, and I don't know if there's going to be any sort of comparison and contrast episode analysis in there, but I have the raw material to see if there's, you know, anything in there and I'm 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 curious. You know, I I'm envisioning, you know, two parallel tracks lined up in my editing software and cutting back and forth and who knows what we're going to find. Oh my goodness. Who knows? You may need to increase the tempo of one of them. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm curious to see these sorts of things. Can't wait. I don't know the tempo issues are... I thought the tempo issues weren't nearly as bad tonight. I don't think the tempo situation takes place when Alan is playing with the band. Yeah. I think it's, you know, and and I don't know that it's... I don't know that Jay is just wanting to play at a slower tempo. I think Steve Howe wants the band to play them at a slower tempo, and he just can't control Alan White, because Alan White's like, fuck you, dude. I'm not going to play this as fast as I want to. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, 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 it's funny seeing the grown-up Alan White, because he was Animal from the Muppets. He was the long-haired right, right. dude. 
He overplayed every symbol in his kit. He's just, and then, then somewhere, drama. During that period, he, he grew up. I thought a weekend was really special tonight. I mean, it was really great both nights, but I was really just blown away tonight. And um, I, there, you know, that there's a still part of those really big hits at the end. I still don't feel that Jeff Downs' keyboards was loud was loud enough. Uh, to really, to really deliver that, you know, that like chest rattling sure. kind of, um, but you know, coming out of the the middle section, the middle part, and you know, you know, the master of light and all that, those parts, oh, all the way to the God. yeah to the end. Just I just was just oh, taken to so another beautiful. place. It was great. Speaking of that, it reminds me of something else. So let's take a. a a quick hop back to the Q&A. How fantastic was it when asked about his favorite song, Steve Howe pops out, well, let's just say turn of the century. Yeah. I I got chills when he said that. Actually. I was I yeah. was agape that he actually said that because, you know, and I re- I'll never ever I, since we did our episode on going for the one Paul and you sort of conveyed your thoughts, experiences, and feeling with that song. And I think I said this in my revisited episode, I have never listened to that song the same way since that. Mm. And so to hear Steve Howe, of all people, pull, you know, what what many would probably think to be a deep cut and drop it in that in that in that situation where, you know, you're supposed to be you know, PC and, you know, I don't have a favorite child right, and everything else right. to, to just, because again, that, that seemed to be genuine and it was such just the perfect answer. I loved it. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, so they come back on and we have sort of reaffirmation of what you had said yesterday, Paul. Tony K is a badass. Tony K is a badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony K is he's he's the secret sauce at this point because once again everyone sat the entire show and you know granted you stand up to get them to come back for the encore but Tony K's on stage and nobody sits down again that's right so yeah you know and, and we already mentioned you know Tony's performance in the uh, the organ solo section of Roundabout, which kicks ass, right, and was right. totally Tony K. Yep. There was there was no Jeff Down supporting. We have video evidence, right, yeah. and we don't need it because you were paying close attention. I was paying was close attention. Um. So yeah, Tony K is a badass. Now he did come out without a blazer. <laughs> His <laughs> shirt half undone. Reason. You know, yeah. I I, yeah. I don't know if. I don't know what was going on prior to him coming out, but it doesn't matter. He's Tony K. He's a badass. Yeah. He can do what he wants. Mm-hmm. So I thought when I saw John Davison come on stage with his signature blazer from the previous night that they were shooting a video and they had to wear all the same costumes. <laughs> you know, until I saw Steve Howe's Sure, Let's yeah. talk about oh, Steve yeah, Howe's yeah. shirt for a second. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was talk about badass. Yeah, right. You know, Steve Howe was was bringing the uh, the ensemble tonight as well. Yeah. yeah. Now we know what his grandkids get him for Christmas. That's right. 
That's funny. I, the thing that I really liked about, I forgot to mention this last night, part of, you know, Tony Kay's performance in, um, Yours No Disgrace, there's the, uh, there's the, you know, there's the, the part before the, the acoustic break, there's this, um, keyboard and bass line that goes, do, 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 and both nights, as it came to that part, he's sustaining the chord, and he looked over at Billy, and he kind of gave him the finger, like, come on over oh, here. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, come on over, and then Billy walked right up to him, and then they, they did the line together. I thought that was really cool both nights. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I noticed it last night, but I did pick it up tonight. Likewise. Oh, okay, you didn't you didn't catch it last night either? Right. Yeah, it was just cool. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that... that um, that sort of encore set with with the three biggies, yours is no disgrace, roundabout, and Starship Trooper. Um, you know, it, yeah. It, I mean, and what, what a kick ass way to end a end a show. And let's not forget the expanded auxiliary percussion section of Starship Trooper, which is unusual. Yeah, so we we had everyone and their grandmother out there. So as previously, they ran out of tambourines. Actually, they, they yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Tom Brislin just up there clapping his hands at one point. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. So they had you know Jay's out there because Jay stays out on the on yeah. the stage. Patrick came out much like he did last night, but now we added Tom Brislin. And in addition to there being a tambourine shortage. I did notice at at one point Patrick went over and found some other little gizmo, a shaker, a shaker that he he wanted to play with. So he just went over and grabbed it, which he didn't do last night. Right, right. So I just I I, I really did sort of enjoy myself just sort of watching them in the back. And there was one point near the end where Jay and John were sort of perched up behind Alan. And there must not have been a lot of room because they were like right on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they were <laughs> they were very very energetic about the whole oh, thing. It was it was, it was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Impossible to get a a picture of it, but um, yeah, I I just I I really really enjoyed that. And then as we previously mentioned, then you get um, you get. All of them, you know, all the the members who were present, past and and present, you know, there for the uh, for the close of the show, the the final bow, if you will. And I thought it was it was very appropriate. So I I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. So that then um, pretty much closes. Our experience here for Yes 50. You know, there is one thing that we did not cover. What did we not cover, Paul? Uh, You made a purchase uh, this evening. I did make a purchase this evening. So, I have... I'll bore our listeners with the whole backstory here. So, I have this one room in my house that is labeled a living room that I've never known what to do with. It's very sparsely furnished, not decorated virtually at all. But there's this one wall that is screaming for a sizable print of some nature. And I've been struggling with what to put there. 
And there was a time that I was under the impression that a Kincaid would be the appropriate answer there. And in fact, I almost, I was this close to buying one at Disney World of all places. Wow. Because a Disney Kincaid, it's like the best of both worlds, wow. right? But I didn't pull the trigger. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I don't know that Thomas Kincaid is really Joe. And so as we started the palaver, and as we started the yes section, you know, fairly early on, and you spend more time with with Roger Dean artwork and, and everything else, and it's like, and, and there was that, that documentary yeah. that was hosted by Rick Wakeman, and I was like, a Roger Dean <laughs> is very Joe. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so for probably the better part of of a year, maybe not a full year, but the better part of a year, I have sort of been harboring fantasies of a Roger Dean on that wall. So when we got to the, the venue last night and they've got the whole Roger Dean exhibit and they've got, you know, several prints that are there and they're generally speaking not that easy to find, I think. Online, I mean, Roger Dean's got an online store, right? But without being able to see it and realize how big it is yep. and everything else, right, right. you know, I I was hesitant to make that sort of a purchase. But there were some really good deals there. So there were there were three fundamentally that I was looking at. There was one called Myths and Legends, mm. which was unsigned for a very reasonable price, and then there were both covers for. Rick Wakeman's Journey to the Center of the Earth. There was one in Return to... There was uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth and Return to the Center of the Earth. Both of those were signed by Rick Wakeman. And they were twice as expensive as, as the myths and legends. And I was fixated. I took lots of pictures of Roger Dean artwork last night. Um, at the Fan Fest, I specifically didn't go up into the Roger Dean area because I was trying to sort of not think about it. But I I was thinking about it nonstop since oh. last night. And um, so when we got into the venue tonight, the very first thing I... Well, not the very first thing, but the second thing I did was, was go... Because we were standing right by the... the the sort of easel, if you will, that had all the, mm. the things. So I flipped through and I was I was going to get the Rick Wakeman's, at least the return to the, the center of the earth. But ultimately I felt that the color palette it was it was close to the color of the wall, but it was different enough mm. that it would have been jarring. Mm. And so ultimately that led me back towards Myths and Legend. So asked a very nice gentleman who was working the table, do you guys ship? Because I have to go to, to Dallas tomorrow. And I don't think that's going to fit underneath the seat in front of me. Right. And he said, we do. And as a matter of fact, it's our last night in the States, so we're offering free shipping. There you go. Cha-ching! So uh, so there you go. I purchased myself a Roger Dean print this evening. Nice. That um, will be autographed, personalized by Roger himself. Mm. 
And actually, just prior to making that purchase, we had met Roger as he walked out of the venue into yes. the uh, the lobby area. So that was great. And I have, you know, I'm going to have to get it framed appropriately. Right. But I am on the road to fulfilling one of my dreams recently. And we have the evidence. And then we have the evidence. Joseph with Roger. Me with Roger. That's great. Love it. <laughs> and uh, so that was, yeah, that was that was exciting. I have yeah. to say, I was, I was. Yeah, you were noticeably excited after. I, after I was. Yeah. I was. I was like, I was on an adrenaline high. It was kind mm-hmm. of funny. So that. Uh, so I can't wait for that to arrive, and um, I can't wait to hang it on the wall. And have a little bit of Roger Dean that I can look at anytime I want. And so I guess that then brings us to the end of, of Yes mm-hmm. 50. Um, you know, we've been we've been planning for this for several months. I've been eagerly anticipating this. And I am happy to say that Yes delivered. I thought, mm-hmm. um, you know, the... This was a trial of sorts for you with them. It, it was. two shows. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I'm very, very pleased. And like I said, I the, the events of today sort of helped bring into focus the importance and significance of this. And so, again, I was able, you know, personally, me being the uh, negative Nancy of the palaver... I was able to sort of shelve all of that and mm. just really enjoy this as I should have. And and that was great. So, you know, here again, I you know, and, and experiencing with you guys, I couldn't ask for anything more. And this is why I habitually fly to far flung locales <laughs> to, <laughs> to to go to concerts. Yes. Um you know, because I can't always convince you guys to come to Dallas, and you wouldn't want to go there now anyway, um, with it being 110 degrees. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this was this was a a perfect way to do it. I think it is, you know, it's a perfect summertime activity, and uh, yeah. So, you know, great thanks to to Yes, and great thanks to the Palaver for enhancing the enjoyment of things like this. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Here, here. Yeah. So, that being said, I think this will put a pin in our discussion of, uh, of Yes 50. And at this point, I will mention, as always, that you know if any of you guys were there, and clearly some of you were there, if you're listeners, uh, we encourage you to reach out, share your experiences... You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We are at Progpala on each of those. Or you can always search for Progressive Palaver. You can email us if you'd like. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. And Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for download and subscription on both iTunes and Google Play. So, yeah, we're on iTunes and Google Play. We are. And we are hosted on SoundCloud. So, until next time, thank you all for listening.